Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. Glad to have you with us. Today we're still in our series on Scandalous and we're going to talk about the triumphal entry today. Jesus came to Jerusalem. Everybody thought, here's the king. He's going to set up his kingdom. But he didn't go confront the powers of Rome. He went right into the temple and he redesigned everything. He rocked the block, Jesus style. So let's learn what happened on that day. Let's get into the word together. How many love the fact we still have bulletins? How many are glad, you know, during the pandemic, we couldn't hand out bulletins. Now you get to staple that to your husband's forehead and make sure you get to everything on time. I mean, put it on the fridge. Praise Jesus. But hey, I love bulletins. I got a few bulletin bloopers for you. They weren't bloopers here, but uh, I love this one. It's actual bloopers and bulletins like really happened ready bertha belch a missionary from africa will be speaking tonight at calvary memorial church in racine come tonight and hear bertha belch all the way from africa (laughs) i had some friends their last name was belch what a great name amen Amen. I, I got another one. Announcement in the church bulletin. It was a prayer and come for a prayer and fasting conference. It says uh, the cost of attending the fasting and prayer conference includes meals. <laughs> That's my kind of fasting conference. I'm going to that one because anyway. uh, our youth basketball team is in action this Wednesday night at 8 p.m. The, in the recreation hall. They're playing against another school. Come and watch them kill Christ the King. <laughs> So I guess they're playing against a school called Christ the King. How many needed me to explain that to you? Thank you. All right. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of things that are not worth keeping around your house. And please don't forget your husbands. That was wrong, hey? I love this has to be one from, from, could be from Texas. I don't know, in the States for sure. But it says, next Sunday we're having a family hayride and a bonfire at the Fowler's. So bring your own hot dogs and your guns. Friends are welcome. Amen. Amen. Uh, The peacemaking meeting, which is scheduled today, has been canceled due to a conflict. That's good, too. All right. It's the rector's last week, and he's going to preach his farewell message, after which the crier is going to sing, Break Forth Into Joy. Uh, You laughed a bit too hard at that one. Uh, Okay. Remember in, tw- remember in prayer the many who are sick of our community. <laughs> All right, one more, one more. A beans, sorry about that, sorry about that. A beans supper will be held Tuesday evening in the church. It'll be followed by music. <laughs> All right, amen, amen, that's good, that's good. So, you know, we do put a little funny in the in the bulletin every week. It's called Kelly's Corner, so she puts little funnies. How many like Kelly's Corner? You read that? Some people ask for bulletins again because they said I want something to do while you're preaching, so that was pretty awesome. Anyway, it's just wrong, amen? Well, we're in a series called Scandalous, and and thank you for Sarah, you know, trying to pump up her pastor. My love language is words of affirmation. Man, thank you, Sean. They left me hanging. They just, okay. Right? Probably reading their bulletin. Probably just, uh, 
Hey, let's, let's jump in. Today I'm going to talk about Jesus. It's Palm Sunday, and so we're going to preach about Palm Sunday. But on Palm Sunday, it was the first uh, edition of uh, HGTV because uh, Jesus showed up at his father's house and he did some redecorating. So he really did. So he didn't like the way things were, so he rearranged some stuff in his father's house. Last week we talked about Smith Wigglesworth a bit, and Smith Wigglesworth said, the Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. The Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. He always reveals the blood. Amen? I hope you get a big, big picture of what the blood of Jesus is all about. I love that song. Thank you, George and the team. Because you, know, you get those songs in your spirit, and it reinforces the truth about God's Word. And you confess it and sing it over yourself all the time, and that'll get deep in your spirit, and you'll, you'll just forever be free of condemnation. Amen? Uh, I talked about Smith Wigglesworth, how he punted a baby off the platform, but the baby was totally healed. A mom brought her sick baby up later on the altar, and he boom punted her. And uh, talked about how he, he got home, and his wife had died and he'd been away for a travel for days, came home. She'd been dead for a few days. He pulled her out of the coffin and threw her at the wall and said, live. And after three tries, she actually, her spirit came back into her and she said, Smith, leave me alone. So it's a true story. So I had somebody a little concerned here last week and they talked to me and said, I went and researched all that. So aren't you glad you can Google your pastor? You can fact check the old man, you know, so. But he said, man, he did a lot of other crazy stuff too. He really did. I said, he really did. But you got to know. You got to know you heard from Jesus to do that stuff. Amen. So I did not tell anybody to try that at home. All right. So there you go. All right. So I love that about Smith, though. He never condemns. He always comes and presents the blood of Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, he said, morality may keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Christ to keep you out of hell. Let me say that again. Hell. Amen? You know, we need these days some good old-fashioned teaching on hell. So if you've never heard me say it in a while, I'll say it again. Hell. Morality can keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell, to keep you out of a lost eternity. It's the blood of Jesus. It's only one thing that deals with the issues in your life that separate you from God. And they don't separate you from his love. They separate you from your right to reign and rule and represent him. But thank God that Jesus is the, is the culmination of that incredible pursuit of God to restore all of humanity to himself. So God has always loved you. You've never loved, lived an unloved moment. God is for you and not against you. First Peter 1, 18 to 20 says, we've been redeemed, not with things of this world, not with gold or silver, but we have been redeemed. We've been ransomed. Why? We've been ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus, the precious blood, the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. See, Jesus was the lamb saying that the plan to redeem you through the blood of Jesus was set about well before the fall, well before Adam and Eve were even called into existence. There was a plan to have a family that was redeemed because God cut a deal with God and he included his family in it and nothing could take you from his hands ever because the deal he made was made with himself. It included you. You are a child of God and nothing can separate you from his love. And that was his plan right from eternity. Now, I don't want to go over the last three sermons. we got to move on. But here we are. It's Palm Sunday. So here I, I got Jesus to send me a picture of what it looked like. 
and there it is right there. So that's uh, one I like. So, so there's Jesus. He came to town on Palm Sunday. Now, Palm Sunday was the beginning of the Passion Week. And the Passion Week was a, a festival, a Jewish festival called Passover. Say Passover. Passover. See, they celebrated the Passover because they performed the first Passover when they were delivered from Egypt. They were delivered from Egypt through that Passover meal where they took a lamb for every household. They put the blood of the lamb over the doorposts and then they got the lamb on the inside. So they got the blood of Jesus on the outside and they got the lamb of God on the inside. So they did that and the enemy had to pass over. The enemy's got to pass over. When you've applied the blood of Jesus to your life, the enemy must pass over. When you apply the blood of Jesus to your life, the enemy must pass over. He just looks with hope, the blood. He's got to pass over. The enemy cannot cross the bloodline. And when you plead the blood, you manifest and testify of all of the blessings of God. And the enemy is canceled right away because of the blood. The blood. So Jesus came to town on Palm Sunday, and they went and got a, a foal, a, a colt of a donkey, and Jesus, his legs were probably dangling on the ground. It probably might have looked silly to people. I mean, here comes a king, and he's riding a, not just on a donkey, but the foal of a donkey. And I mean, Jesus didn't just come lowly. He came very lowly. And he came in a way, I am a king, but look, I am so lowly. I am so humble, humble that I'm going to come in peacefulness, and I'm going to come in gentleness as in my kingly reign. So the king of glory entered into this week of confrontation with all the powers of darkness. He entered in a lowly fashion, a gentle fashion, and a lowly way as the king of glory. So here he comes, and he's coming into town. Uh, now, the, the feast of Passover is today. You bring the sacrifice for inspection, and today you get rid of all the leaven in your house. So today is Palm Sunday, and on this day in the feast of Passovers, you would select a lamb. Now, you have to go and get a lamb, and you have to inspect the lamb yourself make sure it's a lamb that's pure and it's spotless and there's no blemishes whatsoever and then you take that lamb and you have to bring that lamb to the temple and then the priests will inspect the lamb and this priest will even take your lamb and they will cut into the bone of that lamb they'll check even to the bone marrow to see that the marrow is absolutely clean and pure and so they inspect the lamb so on this day Jerusalem would have swelled by hundreds of thousands of people you everybody had to come for Passover and they would have come from other places, converts, uh, uh, Greek converts, converts from all over the known world. They were coming to Jerusalem, and all around Jerusalem, it was like a KOA campground. Everybody was there. The place was packed. The place was full. So when Jesus came on that donkey and approached Jerusalem, there's a massive crowd, it says, behind him, and there's a massive crowd in front of him, and everybody knew what was going on. Jesus, the Lamb of God, on the day when the lambs come for inspection, the Lamb of God came to be inspected. Jesus fulfilled every single detail of the law and the lamb came to be inspected by the priesthood and he was. That day and the days after the priest kept asking him questions and questioning him and there was an inspection of him as the lamb of God. So while all these people are lined up, thousands of people lined up, thousands of lambs had to be inspected as they all lined up, as they lined up with their lamb, here comes God Almighty with his lamb. Behold the lamb of God. So Jesus comes for inspection, and not only that, you got to sweep out the leaven. So Jesus comes for inspection, and then what does he do? He goes right to the house of God, and he cleans it up. So on this day, you personally had to get a lamb for your household, and you had to sweep all the leaven out of your home. 
You had to remove all leaven, all influences. They had to remove from your home. Leaven represented those things that were unnecessary. They removed it all from the home so that it was ready. And so this begins the final assault to secure justice for all. And that's what Jesus wanted to do. So the father does not inspect you. He inspects his son. The Father does not inspire. You don't have to worry about you. You don't have to worry about how you look. I love that song. We just sang that song. Anybody want to be worthy? Anybody want to be holy? It's about the blood of Jesus. So all the other lambs pointed to the lamb, and because that lamb was pure, spotless, and holy, he was inspected, and he was found to be perfect, and his blood was taken to the very throne room of God, put on the mercy seat, and once and for all, the doors are open for all of mankind to have absolute, intimate fellowship with God the Father. Because it was the precious blood, the spotless blood, the pure blood of the Lamb of God. His blood has declared you holy. But when the inspection takes place, you don't have to worry about God inspecting you. When you say, Jesus is my Savior, Jesus is the one who I have faith that Jesus has done it all for me, then you look to Jesus and that's the only thing you do. Trust me, it's not about behavior modification. Your behavior will get modified when you let Jesus get on the inside of you. But it's not about you trying to change and become a better person, to be more, more acceptable to God. Jesus was absolutely accepted by God, accepted once and for all, for all of mankind. Therefore, every single one of us have absolute access to the throne of God through the grace of God by faith in the wonderful work of the cross. Oh, stop and take a breath. So the Lamb of God, is the Lamb of God perfect? Was the Lamb of God perfect? Was the Lamb of God perfect? Then you're perfect. Have I got any perfect people here today? Some people just can't do it, can you? Hey? Have you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? If you haven't, I encourage you to do it right now. Just simply believe. Believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior. He's the one who delivered you in every way. He has reconciled you to God. Jesus did it. And because Jesus is perfect, now you are perfect. Is Jesus perfect? Is he? How many perfect people here today? Isn't that great? I am perfect, not because of anything I've done by, by why works, but because of his work. I am absolutely, totally perfected in Christ. Let me show you a picture of the donkeys, because after Jesus rode that donkey, since that day, every single donkey born now has a cross on its back. It's actually not since that day. It was from eternity, right from the very start. The very first donkey that was ever created was created with a cross on its back. Did you know that? I've shown you that before, but I mean, I want to show you again. Isn't that great that that donkey was predestined before the foundation of the world? That donkey was predestined to carry the king of glory to the cross. Isn't that amazing? I just love that about God, don't you? Those are cool little things, right? So look at that. Look at this one here. That's good. Ah. You're perfect. Isn't that great? You're perfect. Come on, look at your neighbor. Your teeth are a bit crooked too, but you're perfect. You're still kind of cute. You know that? That's good. All right, Matthew 21. Let's read a little bit of... All the Gospels have the, the Passion Week in there. You know, a third of the Gospels, one whole third of the Gospels is devoted to the Passion Week. And here we go, Matthew 21. It says, Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, Say multitudes. Multitudes. 
This wasn't something done in a little corner. I mean, this was a big, big deal. The multitudes, they cried out, Hosanna! They all cried out, Hosanna. Hosanna, compound word. It's, it's uh, two words. It's save us now. I know that was three words, but... <laughs> Save now, save now, save now, son of David. Son of David is a messianic term. So they are literally a multitude, the whole multitude, everybody who came for the feast of Passover, all these hundreds of thousands of people are crying out, the multitude in front, the multitude behind. They are all moving towards the city and saying, the Messiah is here, the King of Israel is here, the one who's going to deliver us from the influence of Rome, the one who set us free from all of our captives, the king of glory is here. Save us now. That's what was going on. Save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10. It says, and when he came to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? See, they have just declared this is our supreme king. This is the king in the line of David. He will sit on the throne and deliver us from these Roman captors. The whole city was moved. The word moved is where the seismograph, uh, all those things come from. It's the word seo in Greek, which means to shake, to agitate, to cause to tremble. So this wasn't just a little parade that happened at the side of the city. The whole city was messed up. The whole city was agitated. The whole city was moved and everybody said, what is going on? Jesus as the king of glory entering now into his confrontation with all of the powers of darkness. It's on. It's on. Everything was trembling. Luke chapter 19, 41 to 44, it says he saw the city and he wept over it he saw the city and he wept over it now here's jesus he's on that that little colt and he's coming into town and everybody is shouting hosanna son of david deliver us now yes could this be it everybody is saying this is our deliver yes and then behind you'd be looking at Jesus and you'd be seeing him from behind and going, man, he is excited. Look at him. He's just, he's just up and down. He's heaving with joy. Look at him. Look at him. Let me go see the front. Let me get in front. And Jesus, he's weeping. And in John where it said Jesus wept at the tomb of, of Lazarus, that word means he shed tears. This word, this weeping, he wailed publicly he wailed with volume he wailed in a loud voice so jesus while everybody's saying the messiah has come our king has come deliver us now jesus is openly <laughs> he's not excited one bit wow that seems conflicted doesn't it I mean, I'd be sitting there like, wow, what's going on? He said, well, what did he say? Why is he weeping? It tells us why he's weeping. He said, if only you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes because you did not know intimately, did not become intimately acquainted with your time of visitation. Forty years later, a ruthless general named Titus came and he completely, utterly destroyed Jerusalem. In fact, he burned everything. And it says that not one 
of the stones in the streets would be unturned. Jesus prophesied about that day. He said not one stone in the streets would be unturned. And you know what? The temple was full of gold. The fire was so intense that the gold literally flowed out of the temple into the streets. And the Roman soldiers later, when it dried up, they lifted every stone to pull the gold out that had fallen in the crevices of the cobblestone streets. And they went and they turned up every stone to get the gold that had flowed from the temple. And the prophecy was fulfilled and Jerusalem was utterly, totally destroyed. And when Jesus is coming into the city and he knows what's in the future, as he saw the silhouette of the temple in the background of the sky, and as he looked at it, and he saw that this is all going to be utterly destroyed because you will reject me. And as much as this was a joyful moment, he knew that they don't even understand what's going on. Do we know what's going on today? Do we understand in our day what God is doing? Are we shouting all kinds of nonsense? We have no idea what's happening right now. We attempt all manner of ways to see adjustment and change in society. And we use all kinds of methods to see transformation happen in communities. Do we even understand the kingdom of God? What am I shouting about? My goodness. Do we? Would we understand? I love the verse says the people of Ishakar, they were wise because they understood in their day what God was doing and they knew what they should do. Do we know what God's doing today? Jesus wept. I mean, he wept. The crowd was with him and I guess just think of his disciples. I, I think this might have been why Judas betrayed him because Judas, I think Judas was trying to, you know, provoke a conflict like, like Jesus, come on. We got the momentum. What a moment. What an amazing time. And, you know, we got we to gotta get on with this. You're being passive. You're being weird. What are you doing? Look at this. The whole place is with us. We can do this. We can destroy the Romans. Look at this. The whole multitude is with us. But he didn't understand. He didn't understand the process. He didn't understand the heart of God. He didn't understand how redemption would take place. Visitation, the word episcopate, it's where we get the word bishop or overseer or shepherd. And he says, you didn't understand how I came to care for you, how I came to nurture you, how I was going to bring about your delivery. You didn't understand your time of visitation and therefore you missed it because you did not embrace or understand the purpose of God. Matthew 21, 12 to 13. So Jesus went straight to the Roman dictator's place. He went straight to the Roman representative and he went up to him and said, I am the king of the Jews. Get out, you bum! Sorry, that was my own version. But you see, that was their version. See, because when there came a, a turn in the road when Jesus came in, it says, and Jesus went straight to the temple. Jesus, like, oh, Pilate's over here. You came in on a donkey, nice and peacefully and quiet. When he came to be here for the feast, he came with an army. He came on a stallion. He came in his armor. And sometimes we think we got to fight armor with armor, but our armor is different. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. It's the tearing down of strongholds. But Jesus didn't go to the representatives of Rome. He went to the temple. And this is where the first version of HGTV took place. 
He went to the temple. He went to the house of his father. He went to his father's house, and it says, and he threw out everyone who had set up shop. He threw out everyone who was buying and selling. He kicked over the tables of the loan sharks and the stalls of the dove merchants, and he quoted this text. My house was designated to be a house of prayer. Jesus knew what his father's house looked like, and I think he couldn't wait for this day to finally come in and say, I'm going to kick some nonsense out of here. They really messed with my father's house. I'm going to clean some stuff up. Now, what if the sign of revival was a whip? We use doves and lovely little pictures, but what if the sign of revival was he sat calmly, peacefully, and he fashioned a whip? What are you doing, Jesus? Well, just getting ready to clean some stuff up. We're going to have a revival next week, and we're going to send out pictures of a whip. Jesus is coming. <laughs> but you know, we came to clean up some mess. You know, there's so much happens in the kingdom of God today that was not authorized by him in any way. And we're so disappointed because we never seem to get results. Could it be that we're trying to achieve a godly end with a fleshly means? Could it be? Psalm 89, 13 to 15 says, Your arm is powerful, your hand is strong, your right hand is victorious. Equity and justice are the foundation of your throne. Equity and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loyal love and faithfulness characterize your rule. How blessed. What's the rule of God look like? What is, what is the, when you experience the kingdom of God, how does it feel? It's characterized by love, loyal love, and faithfulness. How blessed are the people who worship you, O Lord. They experience your favor. So Jesus came to manifest the rule and the manifestation of the culture of the King of Kings. So he came to deal with some things. I, the title of my sermon is, uh, is uh, Rock the Block Jesus Style. <laughs> Thank you. How many are watching Rock the Block right now on... I see those hands. How many have no idea what Rock the Block is? Amen. How many thought Rock the Block was a, a Led Zeppelin outdoor concert? <laughs> well, Jesus came to do some home renovation. So let me tell you, when Jesus rocks the block, here's what happens. Hindrances are removed. Number one, hindrances are removed. He went in and he threw out and he kicked over. There were some hindrances. Let me explain the hindrances to you. You see, when, when you came to the temple, if you were poor, if you were broken, if you were marginalized in society, you would come, and they would not take Roman money. So if you had to buy a, a sacrifice, and, and often if you brought your own sacrifice, they would go, oh, gee, you know what? That's no good. You're going to have to buy one of our authorized sacrifices. So you'd come all your way with your animal, and they would say, man, mm, it doesn't work, but we can provide one for you. You can purchase one over there. Oh, okay, I'll buy one. Oh, you can't use that money. You have to change that money for temple money. And one Roman thing is only worth about a fraction of a thing that we'll give you here. So people were having to change their money, and it was so expensive to get a proper sacrifice to come and worship God. They had made it impossible for some people to even access the presence of God. They made it impossible for some people to practice the Passover and enjoy what it would be to have my sins forgiven and to be set free and to be reconciled with God. They made it impossible. They marginalized whole groups of people and said, sorry, in our divine economy, you don't qualify. Gee, I I wonder if that happens today. I wonder if there's any group of people on your mind right now that you say, they're the problem over there. That's why God's not visiting because of those sinful people. 
those people. If they'd get right with God, things would be okay. Do you know what? Let me tell you something. Things are okay. <laughs> little little pitter-patter in the front section. Let me tell you again. Jesus, once and for all, said things are okay. My house is open. Everybody is welcome. Four people. You see, there are all these barriers, all these things. And, and, and you know, the church does it today. We, we, we got our biases, we got our stuff. And we have a hard time believing that God would actually love anybody. Do you think he'd love like anybody? He's gotta have some standards. Look in the mirror. He loves you. He threw out and he kicked out all the unwelcomed additions and all the barriers and all the limitations. Let me define injustice for you. Injustice, the quality or fact of being unjust, inequity, violation of the rights of others, unjust or unfair action, treatment or discrimination. I'll tell you, one of the worst places for discrimination are religious circles. Did you know there are still churches in this town that post right on their websites that women are excluded from leadership? Now, if I were a woman, wow, I'd want to throw eggs at their window. <laughs> Guys, please just get biblical. Yet they think they're biblical, but they don't know how to interpret the word of God. And they use false interpretations of scripture to deny half the population from being a part of leadership in the house of God. It's ridiculous. And why a single woman would ever attend one of those institutions is mind-boggling to me. Let me just... You know, my daughter was downstairs in the basement in her bedroom reading, and then she came out and she said, she said, look what it says, Dad. It says women should stay silent in church. What's that all about? And I said, it's a sad mistranslation because there's actually twice in the verse after it that says what. The authorized version has it there. All the other versions took it out. But the what means rubbish. He said something, and he pulled it from the rabbinical code, and he says the rabbinical code says they should be silent, and then in the very next verse he starts with what, which is rubbish. Can you believe you folks are following this? What? Rubbish. But translators took that out, and now people think that, well, it's right in the Bible, women be silent. Let all the women say amen. Yes. Man, it's just complete rubbish. And that's just one area. So many areas, they totally misunderstand the word because we had a bunch of uh, men who translated the Bible. God bless the men, amen? All right. I'm tired of injustice. The world's tired of injustice. And we want to reach the world, but we wonder why the world wants nothing to do with us. And we wonder why. You know why? Because the world is caught up with injustice. And you see, we should be the champions of injustice because his throne is established in a place of justice. So we should be the place where every single person should always get a fair shake. Every single person should come here and get justice. We should be ahead of the curve, not behind it. But you see, the world has moved on and said, why do you hate women? Why do you hate? And then we go, why do they think we're haters? Because we have been. Oh, my goodness. How do we get over here? You see, they expected Jesus to come and boot out the Romans, and Jesus instead came to the temple. What are you doing over here? There's problems in my house. 
Not here, though, praise God. This is, this is for other people. Amen. Number two, proper purpose is restored. It says, my house will be a house of prayer, a place where prophetic songs are sung to invite the nations to come and be reconciled to God. Amen? Amen. Listen, are you here today and, and you were not, you're not a first-generation Canadian? You're not a first-generation Canadian. You're, you're here and you're not a first-generation. Could you put up your hand really high? You're not a first-generation Canadian? That means you weren't born in Canada. Like, you, you weren't born in Canada. You were born somewhere else. Put your hands really high, really high. I like that, don't you? Thank you, I appreciate that. I love that we can be a multi-generational, multicultural. I mean, I love that we can be a church of all ages, all backgrounds, every single thing, because it says, my house shall be a house of prayer where prophetic songs are sung to invite the nations to be reconciled to God. So that's the purpose of God. And Jesus quoted from Isaiah 56, verse 7. He said, make them joyful in my house of prayer. Make them joyful. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Make them joyful in my house of prayer, a prayer for all nations. See, it was always God's will for all nations for everyone to come. The prophetic voice of the church should be, everyone is welcome, everyone come. The doors are wide open. Everything necessary for you to be reconciled with God. Every tongue, every tribe, every person, come and be reconciled to God. That's the cry of the house of God. That's what should be told from the house of God. Prayer, the word prayer is the word tefillah. Tefillah. Tequila sounds a little bit like tequila, but it's not tequila. Some of you got happy on tequila. I saw it on your Facebooks. Went to Mexico, looked a little happy there. But it's not under the influence. It's tefila, tefila, tefila. T is an intensifier. Filal, filal is praises, but not just praises. It's praises that are sung boisterously. Tefila means this. Tefila means intense. Say intense. See, if you're going to be a house of prayer, it's a house of intense. God forgive the churches that are not intense. It says, how will I find the house of God? You will walk in the doors and you will hear intense prophetic songs. I'm looking to see if we can get a couple more speakers in here. See if we can. Hey. Yeah. Thank God I go to a biblical church. Intense. You know when it goes, when it goes to the right, and it goes to the right, when it goes to the left, and it goes to the going to jump, jump. So many people just stand still like, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved oh, like a tree. I'm free, pastor. When it goes to the right and it goes. <laughs> Get her done. Make them joyful in my house of prayer. It's a place of prayer for all nations. Prayer, intense prophetic prayer accompanied by music. That Go look it up. Google your pastor. That's what it says. Number three, powers demonstrated. You know, you know the blind and the lame weren't welcome. Blind and the lame, stay out. Lepers, stay out. All you unclean people, stay out. But see, when Jesus walked in, suddenly something happened in them that, you know what? I feel like I can go in now. I feel like I, every broken person feels like I'm welcome in the house of God. 
you know, so many people. I had all the guys who were working on here. I said, I want you to come for opening service. Oh, no, the place, the, the roof would cave in if I showed up. <laughs> so many people think for me to go to church, oh, I'll tell you, Rrr. are you kidding? I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> like, man, there's people who think that you got to, where did they get the idea that you got to clean your act up to come to the house of God? Where'd they get that? Come as you are. Bring your brokenness, your blindness, your woundedness, your open cuts and sores, your leprosy, your mess. Bring it all to the throne of God. And you'll experience absolute blessing, freedom, and deliverance. Amen? There's power demonstrated when Jesus cleans up the house. Look what it says. And he healed them. The blind and the lame came in and they healed him. John Wimber, uh, you watched the show Jesus Revolution. John Wimber was very touched by uh, Lonnie Frisbee. Lonnie Frisbee ended up being in, in the community with him. But when John Wimber got saved, he came to Jesus through reading the Bible. And when he was reading the Bible, he saw all the signs and wonders. And he read the part that says, greater works than these shall you do because I've gone to the Father. Did he go to the Father? Greater work shall you do right now. See, because when he leaves, high five, it's your turn. I was local, now I'm filling everything everywhere. So here it is. So John Wimber read that, and he went to a church service, and he, very nice, it was good. They sang some songs, and they, you know, talked about uh, Jesus a little bit, and then everybody went home. So on the way out, he tapped one of the guys, and he says, when do you guys do the stuff? They said, the stuff? Yeah, like that was a nice service and all, but I'd like to come to the service where you do the stuff. He said, what stuff? You know, where demons are cast out and people are healed and, and stuff like that. When is that service? And they said, well, we don't have those kind of services. And John Wimber's heart was broken. And he spent his whole life trying to find the people who did, and he, he actually began the whole vineyard movement. And John Wimber, he was so amazing. I mean, I love seeing, I've spent several times going to hear John Wimber, and John Wimber would teach, and he says, we're going to break for a coffee for a few minutes, and then, then we're going to come back, have a coffee, come back, and we're going to heal people. I'm like, really? So I come back, and sure enough, I go, okay, uh, there's somebody here named Bob. Bob, you got gout. And Bob, God heals you of gout right now. He goes, ah, ah. And we, we had another person, your name's Angela. Hello, Angela. Angela, you know, you've had uh, diabetes, type 1 diabetes. The Lord heals you right now. Ah! And he saw just healings all over the place, and there was nothing worked up. It wasn't hard. It was just, ba-boom, we are now going to distribute the favor of God. And we want to do the stuff, thank God, we go to a church where we believe that he's still the healer today, and that we can have testimonies not from the Bible, but from real life, and people are having it right now. The benefits of heaven are being released and demonstrated. Boy, do the stuff. Number four, religious spirits manifest. When you start to walk in the freedom of God, religious spirits just get ugly. I went to that impact church. You know, they've had crazy things. People fall down. They've had stuff like oil flowing and gold dust, and they say that people get healed. Blah. I don't know why religious devils don't like the wonders of heaven. I have no idea why. You know, but sure, they became indignant. When liberty and freedom are an expression, religion goes on full-on manifestation. Number five, the atmosphere of triumph. The atmosphere of triumph. It says, out of the mouths of babes, out of the mouths of babes, you have ordained praise. That word is strength, but it's actually the word praise because of your enemy. So God ordained it from birth that you were born to testify and to sing and to boldly declare the goodness of God from the mouth of babes. You see, what happened was all the kids started running around in the temple. Hosanna! Praise!
praise God, praises to God, and kids running, praise God, praise God, and all the religious people are, stop those children, get them out of here, stop that, this is out of order, stop that, stop that, and Jesus said, leave them alone. They were ordained to do this. From the mouths of babes and infants, they were ordained to praise and shout glory to God. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. And look what happens when that happens. Why were they ordained to do that? Because of your enemies. See, because when you praise God and shout praise to God, it says that's how you silence the enemy. You silence your foes and you silence the avenger. That's why we love intense intense uh, prophetic prayers and declarations and worship because there the glory of God is in full expression and manifestation. All right, one more slide. Boom, boom. Hosanna. Save or liberate now. We beseech you, save or liberate right now. And the Spirit of God right now, the Spirit of God today is looking for his house to be a place that says save now, a place where you can come. And if you've experienced injustice, there's justice for all. There's freedom for all because God is in the house and he's ready to attend to the needs of his people.